Don't look out for you are an Irish Jesuit. You are in San Francisco. You work in a parish there as well as the university. We were to talk about COVID-19 and what it was like there, and we will do that. But I think before anything else, we have to go to the situation in America, the murder of George Floyd. I believe you were out marching yesterday. What is, what's it like? Last Sunday, as you know, was Pentecost Sunday, and I, I was preaching at St. Agnes Parish, which is in the Haight-Ashbury, where the hippie movement was founded, but it's, it's a great Jesuit parish in the city. And I thought I was going to be speaking about Pentecost in the context of COVID and 100,000 Americans who died uh, sometime last week from COVID. But of course, with the events of George Floyd and so much else, uh, and so many other people, and the protests and unrest, and I had to change what I was going to say. I couldn't speak just about Pentecost in the context of COVID. But what I found was that the two are connected, of course. There's a serious connection in terms of the fact that COVID affects people of color much more than other people in this society. And that's, some of that's due to systemic racism within the society. So yesterday I did go out, I was down at a peaceful protest, trying to keep physical distancing, wearing a mask, but I was with the parish priest here at St. Ignatius Church and another Jesuit community member. And we were holding our signs, Black Lives Matter, because uh, it was a peaceful protest that was properly organized by an organization that we trust, so we, we weren't going to lend ourselves to violence in any way or shape or form. But we wanted, especially as white people, um, it's important for white people to stand up. Black people have been sh screaming at us and telling us the truth for so long. We are very slow, I think, to learn about our privilege and very slow to realize that we have to call out, as Father Brian Massingale says in a great article in the National Catholic Quarter this week, we have to, it's white people who have to step up. And we have to call out other white people when we see systemic injustice. And he talked about that incident in the park about a, somebody, a, a black man watching birds. They're both called Cooper, interesting enough. Um, they both have the same surname. but And he said that's more significant than you would think because he asked her politely, would she mind wearing a mask? And he it was all recorded, so it's on film. And she, instead of just saying, moving away or putting on a mask, she threatened him and called the police. So what Brian is saying is the assumption was of her white privilege that she would be believed over his story. And she's not an evil person. She's an ordinary person. But she has this inherent privilege that she can use to her advantage and white people need to own that and call that out when we see it. <laughs> it can't do everything, but we can do something. And that's why uh, Father Bonfilio, Father Travis, myself, went down to City Hall yesterday. We can do something rather than nothing. Maybe this is an opportunity, and maybe that's the Pentecost that could come. Maybe this is a real opportunity for us to have those difficult conversations. It's not easy. I don't find them easy. I don't find it easy when I'm called out um, about this because I live with the privilege of being white in a society where white privilege is the norm and where white supremacy still exists. It's not something from the past. It's, and I hope we can begin, when all the unrest stops, maybe we can begin to have those conversations and maybe that's the movement of the Holy Spirit is for us to finally move to be a reconciled and just society. You know the priorities of the, the Society of Jesus uh, from Father Sosa. It's reconciliation, but re it's one of the things that chanted, people were chanting, a lot of it was from Catholic social teaching. They don't 
No, it's from Catholic social teaching, but they were shouting, uh, no justice, no peace. I mean, I was thinking of Pope Paul VI and his statement about, you know, a just society that you, there's a violence inherent in the society, in the systemic racism. I do condemn the looting and the damage, and, and, and there are groups that are exploiting this to bring about chaos within the United States and probably elsewhere too. But most of the people protesting, white, black, and people of color of many, of all backgrounds, want to do it peacefully but forcefully and strongly. Because otherwise, we don't hear the pain and the suffering of people we live with. Were you surprised, Donald, that it took off all over America in all the major cities, and then the protests went around the world? I mean, there was one here in Dublin. What's going on there, do you think? I wasn't surprised. It's a tinderbox waiting to happen. Cardinal Slippich of Chicago issued a wonderful statement on Sunday about the situation with George Floyd and... The of course, he regrets the violence and he's, he wants that to stop. But he said he wasn't surprised in that statement because he's, he know this is waiting to happen. And I think COVID has exposed the inequities and the inequality in society in healthcare, uh, in terms of who gets COVID, who gets the care when they do get sick, so many things. And it's brought it out into the open in a way. And the socioeconomic differences between the very wealthy and those everybody else, frankly now, including the middle class, who have suffered from policies that don't work for people. And Pope Francis also, you know, he's doing his best. He's been saying, face this inequities and let this be a moment of conversion for us. And I suppose if this can be a moment of conversion, and COVID is connected to what's happening. Of course, I hope there's a danger when crowds come together, they may be spreading. And in the community that's already suffering, it may spread it. Even further, yesterday we were wearing masks and we were keeping our distance from each other. So there was a lot of space, so we were able to distance from each other. But I know some of them don't, and that, that there's a fear that that would increase the amount of disease in communities that are already suffering terribly. But I think maybe COVID has opened up a space for us to look at the deeper issues, and it can go in different directions. It could be the beginning of that new way of seeing things, um, which is so inherent in the gospel. Or it, things could get worse if we don't, you know. I, I and I, it's one of those moments when I want. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't see the future no more than anybody else. We, it's the uncertainty is hard to live with, but at the same time, I think we have to work with the Holy Spirit to, to, <laughs> to do what we can do. And, and I feel very small, but you know, I was feeling like those disciples in the upper room, locked up, uh, you know, waiting. They'd already seen the Jesus risen. They'd seen him ascend. They were still fearful and they were still, they were uncertain what to do. And I, I said in my sermon, this is how I felt the last weeks, uncertain. But then Jesus came into the room and he said, the Holy Spirit will be with you. And I see that Holy Spirit in these movements. And of course, I'd said in the sermon, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to feel outrage at what happened to George Floyd. But it's also a gift of the Holy Spirit to know how to use that anger forcefully but constructively to build a society where racism doesn't exist anymore, rather than just perpetuating cycles of violence and hate. And that is the challenge of our time. So you talk about that moment. There were hopeful moments that I saw, I, I, very moving this morning, of the police chief in New York who got down on the knee. He bent the knee. Yesterday, at the, there were police at the protest. Some of them were high-ranking officers in San Francisco, outside City Hall, standing with largely black panel. 
Um, but I saw a, a woman who obviously knew a white police officer, she was black, going up, and they obviously knew each other, and there was a gentleness between them that I just found very uh, touching. So I, yes, and that's a relationship. She has a relationship with this person. And our police chief is African-American, so is our mayor. They're the kind of leader, they're able to be leaders. So in a, you look at the United States right now, and you look at the White House, and of course, not just is it a vacuum, but it, it's, it's a horror story. What happened yesterday? This is just for people who don't know. This is when the President of the United States, peaceful protesters were both rubber bullets and tear gas so he could get through to go to a closed Episcopal church, which he never discussed with the bishop of the church. And he held up a Bible in a photo op. I saw it as sacrilegious because he's using, abusing a religious icon, which is sacred to so many people. But he's using it against people. And the, the bishop said, and she said it right, she was right on the mark. She said this is antithesis of exactly what I understand the gospel to be. To abuse peaceful protesters and then to use this in a way that is the antithesis of anything to do with Jesus or the gospel. How do you feel, Donald, when you see that? To be honest with you, I have to say that he's the anti-life president. And we ha I may have issues with Biden on some things. But Trump is anti-life on every score. And in, in Catholic social teaching and the way we vote, we have to look at all the issues. We're not going to agree with one candidate on everything. But we have to look in a broad way. And to me, I think this we have a, an administration that is anti-life on so many levels, with the environment, climate change, with immigration, with poverty, with covid Tens of thousands of people have died needlessly because of inaction and and the wrong actions, and so on and so on and so on. Do you see in the White House any hope of leadership? Are there any people in there that could step up? Or is it at this point, because he's got rid of so many people, as we know, I mean, is it morally and in a leadership way bankrupt? Yes, it is. I'd say Fauci, Dr. Fauci, still has moral integrity. We haven't heard from him in the last few days, but when he speaks, he's an honest person. He credits his Jesuit education at Holy Cross as, as his public service, and he's served in administrations of Republicans and Democrats. And he's, a, he's the kind of person in public service that is so needed, especially in a time of crisis. And he's hanging in there. Of course, it's, it's hard for him, but I, I think he probably judges that it's more important to have a voice of sanity and of science with, who does speak within that context than to have nobody at all. But I, mean, I don't think I could do it. And unfortunately, the coronavirus has become a partisan issue as well because of the way the administration has taken it and because of Donald Trump's wanting the markets to thrive while people are dying. As you said, I think it's up to 105,000 people. That's hor horrible. It didn't have to be so. I'm grateful in San Francisco the mayor took early action, and we it's horrible that we've had deaths, but in comparison to many parts of the country, we have had very low rates here, and we've been very careful, and we're slowly opening, although the civil disobedience has shut down. The city center is closed. I went there yesterday. Uh, it's empty. You can't even drive there. And, you know, the cable cars, the famous iconic cable cars, not only are they not running, but there's nobody on that street except police. And the, you can't drive there. It's literally, and every store is boarded up. Then they were slowly reopening last week. And, but we, we have to move on from this. And 
hopefully they will reopen and hopefully we face the hard conversations as we need as a nation. And then such a divided nation, it's very difficult to know how that conversation will take place, but it has to. What about a divided church as well? I mean, that's unfortunate too, isn't it? And I'm talking about the Catholic Church as well as the evangelicals. The church is divided and it's not between one church and another church. It's within the churches. Uh, that is unfortunate too. The church as, a, as an institution has not been a prophetic voice within COVID or within the racial situation. People like Father Brian Massingill are the exception. Cardinal Supic in Chicago... And, and others, uh, have, have bishops and priests and sisters and lay people have provided prophetic voice. But as a whole, we're weak and we're um, very weak. Many of the bishops have given a lot of time and energy to desperate to reopen our churches. I want our churches to reopen. I'm live streaming from St. Agnes, but of course I want people in the church. But what good is opening our churches if the body of Christ is suffering out in the streets? If we don't deal with institutional racism and and climate change, if we don't care for the body of Christ around us, what good is it having the church open? What, if it's just disconnected from life and what's going on outside the church, why? Why bother? We, and we should, be do, we should be reopening the churches, of course, but we should be doing it carefully and safely in coordination with the authorities and so on. And it doesn't help that some of the major church people have aligned themselves with Trump because of his stand on abortion. Yes, you know, the bishops don't disagree with each other in public. And I think that's a regrettable. They should model respectful disagreement. They don't have to be on the same page on, as on everything all the time. And they're not. What's hidden is the disagreements within, for example, I contrast Cardinal Sukic's statement with that of Cardinal Dolan. Uh, on the phone with Trump, calling him a gentleman. I can't think of a, a single reason why I would call him a gentleman, cozying up to him by saying, you know, I'm on the phone more to you than I am to my mother. She's jealous. I mean, you can have a conversation with him, but to allow the conversation to be hijacked by him for his own agenda, which is to be re-elected and get significant numbers of Catholics to do it, as he did last time, is disingenuous and wrong. And he shouldn't do that because... It would be one thing for him to talk and raise all the life issues, including abortion and immigration and poverty and the environment. Don't give him a pass, which is exactly what he did. There's a struggle for the life and soul of the church in this country and perhaps around the world. There is a struggle, and I'm in San Francisco, so mostly the Catholics that I meet and the others that I meet, we are in a something of a bubble, and the country's in a bubble. And maybe that's not a good thing, because we don't have to uh, really have a conversation with each other so I, I don't know how we change that, but we have to. We have to be respectful of people who disagree with us. But it's also true that humbly we should stand up to things that are clearly wrong. We can't say yes to that. And what about the Jesuits overall in America? I know they have their Faya Agria schools and they're working in lots of places. There are retreats in Chicago with the homeless. Would they be seen as inserted into that community? Yes. I mean, of course, Jesuits divided on everything, but... At least where I live, there's a strong sense that the country is going in the wrong direction and we need new leadership and we need leaders who can help people. I think bring people together, and I hope if Biden is elected, he'll have a, a governance of people from different parties, but people who the country can respect, whether they're on the right or the left. That would be difficult for him to do, but necessary, because he'll have to govern in a different way that tries to bring people together and not just on one party platform, as hard as that is. That will be a challenge. But amongst Jesuits, yes, I would say Brian Maskell talks about in Jesuit universities as being sanctuaries of truth. So 
places where the truth can be spoken and these difficult conversations, say, on race can happen. He's and a black priest, isn't he? And theologian. He was at Fordham University in theology and religious studies there. And he uh, is a voice to listen to because he, he speaks from within both, both the Catholic and black community. But he speaks, challenges us, but in love. And I'd say that those other voices who are speaking out. I mean, on Easter Sunday, I was looking for a service because I wasn't presiding and I was at home and not able to go to church. I was looking for a streaming service and I ended up watching Oprah Winfrey interview Sister Joan Chichester. Uh, she's just written a book about prophecy and the need for prophecy and prophetic voices. And she was talking about do something where you are. You can be overpowered by the hugeness of the problems. Uh, she said, with other people, do something. If it's a Zoom group with six people, whatever it is, just do something that brings some hope and makes a difference. The ripple goes out you know, a little. I don't know what else to do, Pat. If you've got some ideas, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing very well. You're out marching, you're with the people, and you are... Yes. You know, preaching on it and, and not ignoring it. And I think that's a key thing. It's when people go silent or retreat into a, a spirituality that is divorced from the world where people live that the voiceless then get angry because they have no voice heard. Yes. Yeah, I'd rather be quiet and just sit at home watching Netflix. I mean, it's easier not. I don't, even preaching on Sunday, I as a white person preaching in this situation, it's not easy. I didn't, part of me was like, oh, do I really have to address this? And it's almost like the Holy Spirit was like, yes, you do. You do have to address this and you have to do your best and you have to speak love within the church and with God, with me, and be yourself mm. as best you can. But you cannot just go on as if there was nothing happening. And I was struck by when... You when you spoke to me, um, Donald, about Pentecost Sunday and the tongues of flame and all I could see were the images of flame and fire. Well, fire oh, can be purifying, but it can also be very destructive. Mm. Of course, the tongues of fire that come at Pentecost uh, cause us to be fired up. I really, I, I, I don't know where I got the idea, but in the early Irish church, the Holy Spirit was represented by a wild goose. Now, I don't have anywhere where I can prove that. Maybe you'll find the reference. Rather than a tame dove, and the geese come, and they're noisy, and they're loud, and they won't be controlled. And I said, we need a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming as a wild goose, like the early Irish church, not just a tame dove. And the Spirit comes both in quiet ways, but also as noisy forms. And right now, she's coming in a very noisy way and, and a bit uncontrollable. But I said, it's a gift to be angry about the injustice, but it's also a gift to know how to use it in a way that is truly constructive of creating the, the new world that Jesus was all about. Don, I'm going to ask you a last question, and it may be left field, and but it has struck me as somebody who has followed the plight of the Native Americans. I have this sense of the awful injustice that has been done to the black community, and they talk about our America, and it's our country, and we love it. And But I just can't stop thinking about the Native Americans, who to me are even further down a ladder, and nobody mentions them. I think that is very true. When I lived in Australia, for all the issues that Australia has with Aboriginal people in terms of injustice and systemic injustice, it was something that was spoken about a lot. It's con there was a consciousness about it, and here much less so. And I, I'm conscious of that. I think it's grown a little bit over the years, but I agree with you that 
the native peoples of this land are so marginal that we don't even talk about them. I hear it from them very often. The truth is, I don't know that many. I know a few. One priest in this diocese who's Native American. So their voice is not heard. And I was touched when the people of Ireland were raising money because of yes. the COVID. Yeah, it was very, to read about that, to the memory of what, of the, of Native people reaching out to Irish people. During the famine. Amazing. And just that, the memory that, that people uh, were giving back. I mean, it wasn't just the money, it was also it brought attention, <laughs> some attention to the continuing systemic injustice of Native people who are largely in cities, they're more or less invisible, really. You know, they're kind of in remote places and uh, we're out of sight and out of mind to yeah. a large extent. Because it strikes me that until all injustice is addressed, none will be fully addressed. And there is a fundamental injustice done to those people. It was their land. It was taken from them. They were cheated. They were tricked. And I think that that too, a genuine movement of the spirit will have to include that fundamental injustice at the core of the foundation of this great country, America. And all the other injustices, which, you know, people, brown people, people of uh, Asian descent have been suffering uh, indignities since COVID too, mm. because since we've made this into a Chinese disease. Yeah. A, friend's a friend of mine, a Jesuit who's Chinese, he on the streets has been, you know, somebody shouted a verbal slur at him. You know, in San Francisco, yes. I mean, there's a lot of things we need to address. And they're all connected. The injustice of one is it's of all. It has to be a, that new world that Jesus is about. It's not just, this black is, is a huge black, you know, lives matter. But there's layers of complexity. The reign of God. That was the vision, and the vision is there. So it's lovely to hear you, Donald, and lovely to hear you speak about all of us doing our small things wherever we are, and that can change the world. Thank you, Pat. Yeah. Thanks for caring.